Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to embark on a special and unique trip down memory lane. We call this podcast Hitting the Mark. My name is Ray Carr, along with Cindy Verbalin and the star of our show, the amazing Jeffrey Mark. That's I. I'm Jeffrey Mark, and today I'm going to talk with my friends Ray and Cindy about another friend, Harvey Corman. Harvey's one of those people you watch on TV and you see in movies when you're young and you think, wow, what a talent. How cool would it be to have dinner with him? And you blink your eyes and one day you're having dinner with him and going, how did this happen? Wow. Was he a favorite of yours? Did you guys, are you guys old enough to watch the Carol Burnett show? Yeah, Harvey Harvey Herschel Corman, born in Chicago, Illinois in 1927. as just to give the audience a little bit of background of the, you know, his age and he died in 2008, but yes, I, I was a huge fan of him. And the first time I ever knew who he was, was when I watched the Flintstones, the great <laughs> kazoo. I know he was mm-hmm. on tons of things before that. Um, but that's what I first um, remember. Not really tons. Mm, dum, dum, the great kazoo. Uh, for those of you who love the Flintstones, it's a very fond memory. Harvey, I became aware of him as a kid watching sitcoms because he was on the Munsters. He was on the Lucy show a couple of times. He was a regular on the Danny Kay show. Mama's Family. Well, he directed Mama's Family. Uh, He did for the Danny Kay show what he did for the Carol Burnett show. He was Danny's second banana in sketches and also was, was brilliant on the Danny Kay show. And there was some strife there because Harvey was so good that uh, Danny felt he was taking away some of his luster as the head funny guy. But I remember watching those things as a kid. In fact, uh, had, had a fate worked out a little differently, I would have worked with Harvey even back then. In 1966, I was talent scouted as a little child. They, they offered me to come on the Danny Kay show and sing Let There Be Peace on Earth for Danny's Christmas show on which Harvey was going to be. And my parents turned it down. Wow. I, I have the video of the whole show now. And I was replaced by a chorus of little children singing it. But I had been seen in a school show doing a solo of the song. They wanted me to do that on television. So had things gone a little differently, I would have worked with Harvey all the way back then. But Why did your parents say no? One of these days, maybe we'll do a show about my family tree, which has root brat, uh, because my people were crazy and didn't know what they were doing and jealous and lots of other wonderful things we can discuss on another episode of Hitting the Mark about Mark getting hit, because that's a whole different subject. But uh, I did finally meet Harvey because of Jack Riley, who we've talked about previously. Jack threw a party at his house and several of the people from a group called Yarmy's Army were there. I believe Harvey was one of them. And uh, I was invited to come join Yarmy's Army. Yarmy's Army was a group of comedians, comedy writers, comedy directors who met in the name of Dick Yarmy, who was Don Adams' brother, who uh, was now, they were now doing charity work. And just getting together and shooting the breeze. People who had all had long careers in comedy and shared the memories. And Harvey was one of them. So that's where I first got to know Harvey, really get to know him. 
and it, it was a little disappointing. Uh, not disappointing in Harvey, but disappointing in what Harvey had to say. Because naturally, even at an industry event like that, where you're supposed to not be a fan, I couldn't help but walk over to him after the dinner and say, hey, look, you know, I grew up watching you on Lucy and, and sitcoms and, and, of course, the Carol Burnett show. And his reaction to that was not the positive, love-filled, oh, yes, the highlight of my life working with Carol. Uh, his, his response was, yeah, and maybe if Carol had treated me better, I'd have fond memories of that. So Harvey had major resentments towards Carol and towards his time on this show. As we discussed them later on, as, as he went beyond superficial dialogue with me into something a little more deep, I, I understood it. I understood what the problem was. Harvey was very intelligent, extraordinarily talented. He could sing, he could dance, he could be funny. He, could, he was a trained actor uh, and he had troubled home life. Uh, more than one wife, more than one set of kids. And uh, his son, Christopher, who I'm very close friends with, had a learning disability. So there was tension at home with unhappy marriages, tension at home with having a son who needed special attention. Mm -hmm. And how many years can you be a second banana? How many years? For a man who can do everything and not be the star, so he had three seasons with Danny Kaye, and then he had all this sitcom work. When he joined Carol's show, as sort of a holdover from the Danny Kaye unit, he expected to grow in that. And eventually, Carol did give him special glory. In the beginning, it was the Carol Burnett show with Harvey Corman, Lyle Wagner, Vicki Lawrence. Eventually, it was like the Carol Burnett show with Harvey Corman and Lyle Wagner and Vicki Lawrence. But it's kind of like how people talk about Ginger Rogers. Ginger used to complain that everyone applauded Fred's dancing. And Ginger uh -huh. said, I did everything he did, but I did it backwards, backwards and on heels. heels. So Harvey felt for every character Carol created, I created another character to go with that character but nobody gave me the credit for having done that. And all those musical things they did on the show, Harvey was singing and dancing. Harvey was not the trained singer Carol was. True, he danced better than she did, but he could play so many different kinds of things. Because of his height, because he stayed in fairly good shape, he could play the handsome Rue or the guy in the bathing suit flexing his muscles. Uh, he could also play all kinds of characters. He could do takeoffs. He was able to do satire as well as character. And I adore, I know, I know Carol. I adore her as a person and I adore her as a talent. But even Carol has publicly stated that she and Harvey had problems. And it's a shame to, to work together all those years and to have problems. Uh, Harvey stayed in the Carol Burnett family. He left the show before it ended and uh, Tim Conway more or less took his place. But he went on to, to work on Mama's Family, which was owned by Carol, and direct a lot of the episodes there. He, he went on to direct. And then he went on to uh, work with Tim Conway. Harvey and Tim toured together for years in their two-man show. 
and then they had a falling out. So there is a series of resentments in Harvey's life that were sad, but they weren't necessarily all Harvey's fault. Could he have handled these things better? Yeah, he could have. But Carol was disturbed, I think, at how much attention he got. Uh, Carol has a healthy performer's ego. It was her show. Her husband was producing it. And she felt, hey, I'm giving Harvey all this work. I'm paying him all this money. What's the complaint? Harvey's view was that I'm better than this. I can do more. I'm being underused. And he kind of felt it should have been the Carol Burnett and Harvey Corman show. So you can see where Carol would not want that. But Harvey thought that's what he deserved. Yeah. And there, there, there was the same problem later with Tim. Where why didn't although, you just get his own show? Uh, why don't I have my own variety show? Because nobody offered it. Because he didn't have a spouse with network ties to produce it. You know, Carol got her show because she had a, a long-term running contract with CBS that paid her every year whether she worked or not. And there was a clause in it that they could push a button, as Carol says, and make a variety show. And they didn't expect it to, to go. They thought it would be a flop. Carol has gotten publicity through the years. It isn't quite true that she's the only woman to front a successful network variety show. That's not true. There were lots of ladies in the 50s. Dinah Shore, certainly. But Patty Page, lots of Judy other women. Darling. Had, well, Judy wasn't necessarily successful. That, that We can talk about that on another episode, why Judy's show didn't work. But Danny Kaye's show, after a while, America got tired of Danny. Danny. Danny was very funny and very talented, but if you saw a dozen of his shows, you saw everything Danny could do. And Carol was a lot more malleable in that her writers were able to come up with more things for her to do. She was younger, she was more energetic. Um, she had not had the big movie career Danny had had. But Harvey just never really got his due. Even in the wonderful Mel Brooks movies in which he starred and had major, major parts, but it was never Harvey Corman in. He never got the top billing. He never got the main character. All the films he were, was in would not have been nearly as funny without Harvey Corman in them. But we don't think of Harvey Corman in Blazing Saddles. We think of other people first. But he was brilliant at that. He was brilliant in High Anxiety. He was brilliant in History of the World Part Two. Yeah. Um, there's a line Harvey says, uh, we can't repeat from that show. But if you mention that movie to people, Harvey's line is the first thing they say, oh, and he brings over the man who carries the bucket of urine. I won't, I won't use the euphemism, but it's what everybody remembers. Wasn't that the Howard Morris? Who played the, who hold, held the bucket. Yeah. But Harvey, who yelled, oh, something boy. Oh, yes. Bring it over here. Oh, butt boy. Harvey had magnificent comedy timing. And, and one of those people, and there aren't a whole lot of them, who was brilliant in front of an audience and also brilliant without an audience in a movie studio. He could be funny either way. He had the chops to be funny either way. 
And like many comedians I have known, it is a shame that his personal life wasn't a little happier. Let me ask you something, Jeffrey. You mentioned that he made a good living on the Carol Burnett show, and he was mentioned a lot. Um, a lot of actors never even come close to that that are very talented. Why couldn't he accept that and say, look, I'm very gifted. I'm on TV. I'm making a lot of money. Um, and, and just, you know, leave it at that. There seems to be this thing with performers, writers, directors, producers, because the next step up is always so close at hand. Mm-hmm. Because we work with a lot of people. Ooh, that guy got six cents more than I did for doing the same thing. Or that guy got his name one listing up ahead of mine on the credits. It's a lot of jealousy in show business because there is a lot of insecurity. And a lot of starving for attention. You know, comedians especially are not necessarily the best emotionally wrapped people on the planet. There's a reason that we are out there making other people laugh. There's a reason we're putting ourselves in spotlights in front of microphones, uh, risking failure because our souls call for it. We're, We're gifted, naturally gifted. We have ambition. And we want the attention. We are indeed intention whores. Attention whores, not intention. Well, we may be intention whores also, but but we we crave the laughter. We crave the attention. And there isn't hardly one that I know who didn't react that way. I heard similar stories from Howard Morris, who felt that he was pushed aside on your show of shows that he was he was certainly Carl Reiner's equal on the show that the show of shows was Sid Caesar, Imogene Coca, Howard Morris and Carl Reiner yet he got the least attention. Shelley Berman who was at the top of his field when he first came out felt like he never got the recognition he deserved. Chuck McCann was forever complaining that he had not become a bigger star. Um, Chap Carter who in his time was one of the top comedians in North America, and yet mm-hmm. you'd have lunch or dinner with him or a cup of coffee, complain, 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 because mm-hmm. he wasn't satisfied being Jack Carter. He wanted to be George Burns or Bob Hope or Milton Berle or Lucille Ball, someone who remained a superstar till they died. But there's only so many of those people. Oh, Ray, you're talking logic. Uh, you can't throw logic can't. at an emotional situation. <clears throat> Yeah. What these gentlemen and some ladies feel has nothing to do with logic. For you to have for one to have logic, one has to have perspective. Usually gotten by therapy or a 12-step program or just maturing as a person. You know, I, I don't I have enough talent in front of a television variety show. I have enough talent to star in a Broadway show. What do I get? I've starred in several radio shows and I've been a star off Broadway. And I go, yay. Yay. Because so many people out there never got anything. So I'm very, very, very grateful 
for my career. But some of these people, it isn't that they weren't grateful, but the next big thing always seemed to be just outside their reach. And they emotionally don't understand why person X got it and they didn't. That runs through show business. Harvey was a good friend to people. Harvey was a good father to his children. Uh, I don't know that he was necessarily a wonderful husband, but I've, I've never had that conversation with his wives. He gave me attention. He gave me wonderful advice. He took his time with me. And, and I, I adore his son, Chris. His Chris is just a wonderful, wonderful guy. So um, the good and the bad, it, it's all there. It, it's, it's not a black and white with Harvey. There's a large gray area. is hitting the mark. I am Cindy Verbalin with Ray Carr and our star, the Mark, Jeffrey Mark. Uh, 